Let's get back together. Um, I have a couple of people with mics. Lucas, are you running? Uh, Jost, are you running? Yes. So what? what's this? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, Keisha. Hey, what's up? I've missed you. Huh? I haven't seen you in a while. I've missed what's you. What's up? How you doing? Let's I'm just good. talk I'm about good. life. What's going on with you? How you? Uh, I'm good. Congratulations on being a newlywed. Okay, Thank you. Um, so I find it interesting that even though we see that God does show favor to Cornelius and he is pleased with him, he still needs to send someone to preach the gospel to him. Cornelius still needs to hear it. He still needs to make that yeah. decision. He still needs to say yes. Yeah. Like God just doesn't save him like miraculously. Yeah. There's something about community that is happening here. Like it's it's for Cornelius' sake, but I think it's also for Peter's sake that they intersect each other. There's some inter intersectionality that needs to happen, especially when you're going to talk about rearranging um, race dynamics in that culture. And so, yeah, I think God in his goodness could have easily told him everything, um, but he did it for a deeper purpose. That's good. Who else? Over here. So I think it's funny that the very bottom he says, oh, like now I get it. Every nation. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, hello, Matthew 28. Like, yeah. Were you not there? Yeah. But I, but, but I can totally relate because right? there's so many times that I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'll realize these deep things that God right. is like, you know, major sin or like attitudes that I have. And I'm like, oh, hello. Like that is in the Bible. Why did I not see that right. before? But I love that God just continues to pursue and use the spirit to right. speak truth and that they responded to yeah, that. You know? Yeah. I mean, I thought the same way too, when, when God showed him his vision and he's like, yeah, yeah, no though. No, I'm no, no, I'm not about to do that. Like, and I'm just thinking, do you not know Jesus? Like, this is what he did all day, every day. He, he came and changed everything. So I, I think it's interesting that it, like, clicked for him. And you know what? Sometimes it takes us a while. Even though we know it, it takes us a while for it to click and change who we are. That's it? Oh. Hey, Keisha. Hey. I thought it was really interesting how in verse 13, um, the spirit tells Peter to get up. And mm -hmm. then in verse 26, Peter then tells Cornelius to get up. Mm, girl, you better preach. <laughs> because that stood out to me, too. And I've read this passage a lot. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But I think sometimes when you get a big vision, you need the Holy Spirit to help you figure out what to do next. And he got it, that one. He got that one pretty quick. Like, he took that with him to his next journey, you know? Good. One more here? Charlene? He got you. Hello. So I was just talking with my group and telling them I'm having a hard time with Peter's response in verse 28 where he's like, you know it's against our laws for Jewish men to enter a Gentile home. Mm -hmm. And I... I'm just like, why did you need to say that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, obviously people know. And so I just kind of feel a little like, mm. I, don't, I don't really like that. Especially like when he's like, yeah, I should, God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, 
thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, thanks, God. You know, like yeah. I just don't, yeah. I don't really care for that response. But I don't know if that's just a normal cultural thing that's happening, or if I, if the person just like, or if that's just me projecting yeah. my <clears throat> miss. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I. I mean, I cannot imagine what Peter was thinking when he was going to this man's house in Caesarea. Like, he brought his friends with him, I think, just to make sure, yo, nothing's going to happen. I'm not going to eat no pig feet. Like, make sure. Y'all, y'all going to be my, you know, you're going to testify because I don't know what's going to happen when we go here, right? And I don't know what he thought. Maybe he just thought, I'm going to meet with this, this important guy, and we're going to have a small little meeting. And, and he walks in, and it's like a revival. It's an open-air meeting. It is the most packed house church you've ever been in. He invited everybody. And I honestly think he was nervous. That's what I think that response was. It's just like, oh, when you're nervous, you just go to default to what you know. And what he knows is I'm not supposed to be here. And it's a lot of y'all. I thought it was going to be one or two. But it's a lot of y'all. And have you ever been in a room where it's a lot of them and only you? Come on now. You're nervous. You don't know. You're unsure. You're unsure. You're unsure. And so I think his response started off that way. And me and Ryan were listening to another um, message this week. And I, I was just wondering if he was even prepared to preach the gospel to Gentiles, to people that didn't look like him. I think he was thinking through, he said, okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to say this? I mean, does this work? Like, would this, would this example translate? Have you ever been in that situation? Because sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to talk about Beyonce, but they going to get it? <laughs> Maybe it's different from you. Maybe because I've been in underground for a long time. So people would be like, I want to talk about Talladega Nights. And I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> and I've still been here for 10 years, and I'm like, I still don't get it. But you're trying to think, you're trying to think, like, I, 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 I have what I have. This is what I know. And this is what, and I think the first thing he spills out is, is just to let these people over here know, and y'all know I'm not supposed to be here. I think it's out of a sense of, of anxiousness. Well, let me jump in here, because I think Peter's story in particular caught my attention in a way that, that changed my entire message. And if I talk to you this week, I know I talked to Lucas, I talked to Melissa, Claire was like, oh, I know what you're going to talk about. I was like, girl, that all changed because I started looking at Peter's life. And you know what? He was accustomed to praying. So that wasn't new. He knew that he needed to pray. He was hungry. He was waiting. So he thought, you know what? I'm going to go to the roof and I'm going to engage with God there. And I'm going to look over the city. And I, I love that image. I love that image of him breathing in heaven and petitioning for his people at the same time. It was a place where, where heaven was meeting earth, and he was praying, and he was in it, and he was praying, and he was praying, and he falls asleep. And I'm like, I know he ain't the only one that's been praying and praying and fell asleep sometimes. It's happened to the best of us. We've had our Bibles out. We had our worship music out. We're like, yeah, we're going to pray. I'm going to just rest here in the Lord. I'm going to rest in the Lord. It's happened. And as he's resting in the spirits, the Lord comes and and drops this sheet and, and tells him, get up, eat, kill. And Peter is shocked. 
I mean, I, it's like I can, I can hear the emotion. I can, it wasn't visceral. It was like, no, like, I will not do that. I have never eaten those animals. I will never eat those animals. You know I'm kosher. You know this about me. And the Lord responds to him and says, do not call anything impure that I have men clean. And the Lord spoke. And it says that this went on three times, so I'm pretty sure Peter was like, but no, but no, I mean, come on, though. Ribs? Spirits? Bacon? I really love bacon, y'all. I wouldn't have been fighting against that, but it went back and forth for three, t- three times. And if I'm honest, like Charlene, I was a little annoyed with Peter this week. I struggled with his response especially this response of the vision that God gave him. And and you know what? I'll be the first one to admit that I am judgy, okay? I look at things and I make judgments on them. I'm probably the only one. Y'all super Christians. Y'all don't do that, but I know I do. (laughs) And so I'm straight up judging him the entire time. And I've, I've read this passage over and over and over for the last month. And each time I would just be like, ugh, Peter, man, come on. The Lord actually came to you. If the Lord came to me, I know what I would do. The Lord came to me, if the Lord said this, if the Lord, he wouldn't have to tell me three times. Super judgy. Why? Because I'm like, yo, Peter, you walked with him, though. You talked with him. You saw him. You saw him face to face. You even saw his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. Like, you knew him. And yes, this vision was challenging. I'll give you that. But when God was here, that's all he did was challenge push back, change things up. That's not new. He did that all day, every day while you were with him, and now you confused? Guys, I was, I, I, judgy, judgy. And the more I I started to to think about Peter, the more I started to, to study, the more I started to allow my frustrations and my questions to lead me, I realized that this vision wasn't just a challenging word to eat something new. It was a word that was calling him to change everything he knew to be true, everything he knew to be true about himself. I mean, he was taught the dietary laws. He knew what was clean and unclean. He knew all of that. I mean, it would be a sin to engage in eating some of the foods that were on that sheet. It would be against everything that he knew because it wasn't about food. It was about him. And I saw this quote from Reverend Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil that says this about Peter. Do you understand that it was more than about food for him? What they ate and the cultural customs of his ethnic group. Just like the cultural customs of our own ethnic groups. Just don't tell us what we like, but it tells us who we are. It gives us a sense of identity. This vision was big, and it was tearing Peter's life apart one cell at a time. His DNA was being shattered. His his eyes were looking at something that was changing his entire mind, soul, and spirit because God was going to do something new 
He was doing something great. He was doing something powerful by, by demolishing the lines between Jews and the rest of the world. No more holy people and unholy. No more clean and unclean. No more us and them. Jesus wanted the world. He always wanted the world. And Peter knew this. But even though Peter knew this, like you were saying, even though we know things to be true, he was stuck. Right? He sat on that roof. He was stuck and and he was puzzled and, and maybe even still half asleep trying to wrap his mind around what he just saw. And I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, was he thinking, okay, was that really the Lord though? Because the Lord, he wrote the law. Like, why would he come against the law? I mean, was that really God? Was that me? I'm really hungry. My stomach, was it my stomach? And I mean, if I were to do this, like, what would the other disciples say? They saw me eating this stuff. What would they do? I mean, would they believe I actually had a vision? Would they actually believe that? And I mean, let's, let's be honest. This can't be done. I can't go sit with them. And it's not even just about food. It's just about being in their presence, being in their homes. I couldn't do that. And I couldn't have them come to be with me either. It's too big. It's too much. It's too hard. And I don't know what he was thinking on that roof. And he was so caught up, he didn't even hear Cornelius's guys come and was yelling from the side of the road asking for him. He didn't even hear it because he was still so caught up. And it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came and spoke. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit came and spoke to Peter that he woke up. And that's the line that caught me this week. Peter just saw a vision that was too big for his mind to grasp. But you know what? Peter didn't need to know the whole plan. He didn't need to know how to wrap his head around the entire thing. He just needed to know what his next step was going to be, and the Holy Spirit was faithful to give him that. The Holy Spirit is faithful to guide us through every vision, every plan, and every dream that God has for our lives. Because when we see a vision, when we see something big, when God is calling us, it requires us to do something, to change, to move. And guess what? We don't know how to do that on our own. When God shows you something, when he gives you eyes to see something that is too much for you to tackle, too hard for you to understand, too far out of your reach, we need to not worry because the Holy Spirit will awaken us. He will awaken us from our confusion and from our fear and guide us to our next step. And I think as a community here at the underground, we have a lot of visions. We have a lot of big dreams. In the beginning of this thing, before we had a budget, a hub, multiple services, offering to leaders like you, we just had a vision. And it it was a vision that encompasses all of our dreams and hopes for a church that we loved. In the beginning, before we had an official manifesto, any core values, beliefs on a website somewhere, all we had was a whiteboard. 
And that whiteboard was filled with all these things that we felt like, yo, if we're going to be the church, this is what we need to be about. And they were important. And I remember Brian standing there with his, with his marker, writing down all the things that, that we were saying, that little group, writing down all those things down. And I remember it was coming to be my turn. And what was I going to say? What was going to be my vote? What was going to be the vision that I felt like I was seeing for us as a community too? And when it was my turn, I, I, like many other people in that room, we said we had to be about culture and ethnicity too. Because I knew, I knew if I was going to be a part of this community, they had to see me. Especially since dominant culture takes up so much space, I knew I needed a church, a community that would, that would see my blackness, see my Belizean-ness, see my culture as a Creole woman. I needed it. And so I put in my vote because there had to be room for me, and not just room for me, but all of me, all of it. But you know what, not just for me, but for all of us. There had to be enough room for all of us to be in the room, for every Caribbean person, for every European, for every African, Asian, Native, Latino, for every Middle Eastern ethnic group, for every Pacific Islander, we needed room for all of them to be here. There had to be room. If we're going to come together and be a community, we need to make sure that there was enough room for all of us. And so let me just be honest, right? Coming together is hard. It's not easy. And I don't think we ever tried to say that we thought it was going to be easy. But we wanted to fight. We wanted to fight to, to see that kind of unity in our community. And even when we fully didn't understand each other, i.e. Talladega Nights. <laughs> I'm going to watch it over Thanksgiving. <laughs> even when we felt uncomfortable, even though there were times where we fully didn't get each other when we were communicating with each other or leading, we knew we had to make room, and not just make room, but celebrate celebrate what we are bringing to the table, to celebrate the different communication styles and the interpersonal skills and the various foods and the different types of humor and goals and, and the ways that we look at life. We needed to make room for all of it. This was our hope. This was our hope. This was our vision. This dream to become something bigger than what we had seen before. And so we try to put that dream into words. All of the things that were, were swirling in our hearts and our minds, we try to put that into words, and that gave us our value for uh, culture and ethnicity. And I want us to read it together out loud. And you know what? I know for maybe some of you guys, it is the first time you are reading it, but I want to ask you, do you see the vision? Can you see what we're trying to do? Can you hear our heartbeat? And maybe for some of us, we, we know it. We've read it. We help write it. But I want to ask, like, do you still feel called to it? 
So I think they're going to put it on the screens for me. And I want us to read it together. We affirm that every culture and ethnicity, while imperfect, reflects the mosaic of God's own image. Together, better glorify, serve God. We value each That was our dream then. That was our dream in words then. And it's still our heart now. I lost my page, guys. Hold on. We... We as a community, we are still chasing and wanting to welcome the beauty and wonder of each culture and every ethnicity in this room, in this city, and in this world. We long to continue to say yes, because you know what? It is not our vision. It is the kingdom's vision. It is God's vision, and he's the one that we serve. And this, this is a big vision, And I'll be the first one to admit that at times I feel like it is impossible. This series is about a multi-ethnic church, and I'm like, do I still believe that? I mean, can we really be a multi-ethnic church? Like, do we really affirm every culture, every ethnicity? Really? And, And I feel, I sound a little bit like Peter, right? Like the Lord is showing me and dropping the sheet in front of my eyes. And I'm like, but come on, no, no. I mean, really? Is it possible? Is it possible? I'm like, Lord, you know the history of this country. You know the wounds that we have. I mean, it's nice to have on our website. I sound like Peter. I confess, I sound like Peter because I am Peter. This whole time, this whole week, as I was prepping to preach this message and, 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 and being frustrated with, uh, with Peter's response, I, I have to admit that I'm more like him than I want to admit. I'm more like him than I want to say out loud. I judged him because I judged myself. Why? Because I know Jesus too. I've walked with him. He's walked with me through cancer. I've seen his face. I've heard his voice. I know that he has called me from darkness to light. I know Jesus too. And I know that he calls us to do crazy, amazing things. But when when the Lord gives me another challenge, when he gives me another challenging word, what happens? I get stuck. I sit on my roof and I'm trying to wrap my head around it too. 
I want to wrap my head around the vision of the Lord instead of, like Cornelius, responding to the word of the Lord. Cornelius didn't question the vision. He did what God told him to do. And although I want to say I'm like Cornelius, I'm not. I'm like Peter. So I start thinking, like, is this really uh, possible, this multi-ethnic church thing? I mean, because I can have a friend or two of different ethnicities. That's easy. I could cross cultures here and there. I could affirm the thing that you're doing. I could eat your casseroles <laughs> and enjoy them. If you're from Minnesota, hot plate, hot dish, I'll enjoy it. I'm just being honest, though. Is it possible? I wonder, is it possible? Because we live in a world that seeks to diminish. Am I good? We live in a world that seeks to diminish each and every ethnicity and expression of culture instead of chasing after its beauty. That's the world that we live in. The world tells us to, to refuse and, and recognize the God in others. And so it tells us, like, you know, your leadership, your mothering style, your journey through singleness, your jollof rice, your Spanish accent, your potatoes, your curry, your mac and cheese, your rice and beans, it's better. Right? Am I the only one? I mean, we hear the whispers of the world saying, you know, the culture of your microchurch, the style of worship you like, your hair type, your political views, your value on money, your views on what's professional and what is not, your mode in regards to how you process things, is better. The world, racism, white supremacy, prejudice, hate, fear, the deepest sins of our country wants us to explicitly and passively describe other cultures and ethnicities as unclean, less than, and inferior. It is all around us. But God, but God, but God wants us to see a vision through the mess of all of that. He wants us to acknowledge that everyone, everyone is God-ordained and is beautiful. And he wants us to hunger for each, each, each of our cultures and ethnicities and for those things to be expressed in our community. Do you hear me? Not just acknowledge that everyone is God-ordained. Not just that, because we could stop there, like put a period. No, no, no. He wants us also to hunger for each culture and ethnicity to be expressed in this community. Do you hunger for that? When you don't see it, when someone's missing, when a culture is missing, do you hunger for that? He wants all of us to come together with all of our gifts and values and ideas and foods, all of our races, ideas, and styles. He wants all of us because there's room at his table. All of us are welcomed. All of you are welcomed with all the gifts that you bring to this world, all of you. You know, and some of you are coming with these gifts in your hand and you're unsure, are they good enough? I mean, is this really cultural? You play down its importance. You wonder, does it really bring any worth to the table? And I want to say, yes, it does. We need you at the table. Appreciate the gift that you've been given. 
appreciate the way that God has created you and the gifts that you hold within who you are. And to others of you in the room, I want to say sankofa, which is a word that comes from Ghana, and it's translated to mean go back and get it. Sankofa. Run back for the things that you thought you had to leave behind to be a part of this community. Sankofa. Pick up the gifts your culture brings to this world. Bring them to the table because you no longer have to lay them down. Sankofa. Let us bring it all underground. Let us bring all of who we are, our folk art and our traditional styles of music. We bring our country accents and all 22 languages from India. Let us bring our high sense of honor and our humble hearts. Let's bring our passion and our meekness. Let's bring our griot, our archata, our dumplings, our fry bread, our collard greens and our casseroles. Let's bring our blackness, our brownness and our whiteness. All of it, let's bring it to the table because there is room for all of us. And we bring it, we bring it all, we bring it all because there is room for all expressions of who God has created us to be in this multi-ethnic church. I'll invite up the worship team. I mean, I was there, I helped write that that value, and, and I'll be honest, this summer I was really struggling, like, is this possible? And I took a break and I went and visited my parents in Turkey. My dad works for UNICEF and he's working with some Syrian refugees there, and um, I got to be with them, but I also got to visit some of the like historical landmarks in that, in that country, and I got to go to Tarsus. I was looking for Paul. I was like, yo, Paul, where you at, Paul? Where are you at? Literally, I was doing that. I think I was embarrassing my kids. I was like, Paul, where are you at? He didn't respond. He didn't respond. But I also went to Antioch. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Antioch was one of the first churches, multi-ethnic churches, that was led by my boy, Peter. He got it eventually. And guys, I, I walked. I mean, now it has like this pretty outside but when you walk in it is a cave it is a cave that was carved out by people like you and me who believed that they needed to worship a God in secret at that time and they were willing to worship him in secret and I saw the tunnels in the back where they would have to escape because they were still persecuted and if they were coming for them whoever the they was they needed to be able to escape I saw the tunnels I saw the pool where, where new believers were baptized. And I couldn't help but think like, of, of the joy of what it must have been like for there to be no more lines between us. Where I could touch you and pray for you because you were no longer unclean. And I could eat with you because you were no longer polluted. I, I felt this sense of joy, but at the same time I felt this sorrow because they were persecuted and they were hunted and they were killed because they wanted to follow Jesus. And I stood there. And I see why people go back to like the Holy Land experience because something, it's something about fusing what you read and seeing it with your eyes and touching it with your hands that does something. I was in Antioch. I don't know, maybe I was standing right where my boy 
Peter was standing. And I started thinking like, as he was leaving this church, did he ever wonder, was it worth it? Was it going to actually work? I wonder if he felt frustrated too, as people were trying to cross cultures and missing it and hurting each other and saying the wrong things and doing the wrong things. I wonder if he was just like, is this really going, is this really going to happen? Is this really going to work? I wondered. I mean, it was in this cave that the vision for multi-ethnicity began. It was in there where it first began. It was birthed in this cave that I was standing in. And, and I don't know, I felt overwhelmed. And everybody left the cave, and I was the only one there. And, I, and, and for a moment, I, these words slipped out of my mind, like, is it possible? I just said it out loud. Is it possible? Is it possible to have a vision that is too big and too hard? Is it possible to somehow still cling to that? To believe in it? I was tired. I've had a bunch of multi-ethnic, um, multi-ethnic conversations recently, and I'm just tired. Like, is it possible? But then I heard the Holy Spirit. And all I heard was, there's still hope. There's still hope. There's still hope. And although the vision of being a multi-ethnic church seems impossible to me at some times, and although being a community that longs to affirm all cultures and ethnicities um, is countercultural to the world, it may feel impossible to you sometimes. We have to remember that there's still hope. We have to remember that the Holy Spirit will guide us on our next steps. In that cave, in that dingy smelling cave, I heard the Spirit of God tell me what my next step was, and I clung to it. And I'm still clinging on to that hope, that hope in Jesus, not, not something that we wrote, not a value, not something that I can touch, hope in Jesus that he could actually make this happen. What is the Spirit saying to you? What is your next step? How is he guiding you as you're walking towards this vision of multi-ethnicity and culture to be a part of this multi-ethnic church that is too big, that is too large? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe some of you are new to this community and you're just like, it's the first time I've even hearing about this. I want to encourage you to, to join us to walk with us. You are invited. There is room for you at this table. Maybe some of you, you are feeling the conviction of your racism and your bigotry and your prejudice, and I want to invite you, confess that, surrender that, walk towards freedom today. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, Son Kafa, to you, Go back and bring it. We are missing pieces of who you are at this table. Maybe he's saying your culture is good. Maybe he's calling you to a season of restoration and rest. Maybe he's calling you to, to, to dim back a little bit and, and, and pray and, and to, to lament 
Maybe he's calling you to, to be a prophetic voice, to speak up. Maybe he's calling you to wake up. You think you're woke, but allow the Holy Spirit to wake you up again. The vision to be a multi-ethnic church that values and affirms all cultures and ethnicity is too big for us to comprehend. It's too much for us to figure out. This is why we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us figure out how to move forward on this vision. He will guide us. He will lead us. He will show us our next steps. He is faithful. He has been faithful the last 10 years, and he will continue to be faithful in the next 10. So I want to give you a moment to listen to close your eyes and to try to figure out, Holy Spirit, what is my next step? What are you calling me to do? Holy Spirit, we trust you. We trust you to guide us, to speak to us, to move in us. Would you speak? Would you show us again what you are calling us to do? Would you order our steps? And would we respond? Would we say yes and not no, Lord? Would we say yes and would we cling on to hope? Will we cling on to you? Thank you, Lord. Take a moment and listen. What is he saying to you?